Hey y'all, this is Lee from the Magic Our Way Podcast, and you're listening to the BS Podcast Network. Back to another episode of the Lukewarm Cinema Podcast. My name is Austin. Today I'm joined with George, Chris. Let's sh- guys. So we haven't done this in a while. How you guys been? How was your week? We we like we haven't done that in a while. We Ooh. always just go. We like movies. Spice. Uh, how was this week? This week was pretty good for me. Um, a big self growth week. I feel. Uh, I feel I'm starting to feel just better about. A lot of things that are going on in my life, which is good. I'm taking my job as a teacher a little more seriously, which is even better. I sure hope so. I'm I so like for me at least, I I always I, it wasn't that I frowned upon it. I was really worried that if I get too close with these kids, especially outside of school, that just leads into further problems. You know right. what I mean? Everything I've ever heard is like, you know, you gotta leave work at work, you know. You have to really separate yourself. What I've done is like, I've really, I started to text my kids and it's, I know people might think it's weird, but like, I literally only have six kids in my class max. So I'm like, you know what? Let me actually get these kids numbers. Let me reach out to them outside of school hours. Let's try to play some Xbox together. And I actually got a couple of games in with a couple of my kids. You know, we just played a little bit of Warzone. Did, did you whip their ass? I was going to say, did you play Madden? You no, know, we were together. We were together okay. as a team. I was going to say, did you play Madden yeah. and just put the beat down on them? But like, I, as like I the can't. Browns? The literally, like, I don't, these kids' self-esteems are low enough. I don't want to have to do that to them. <laughs> um, bro, no, but you're more responsible than I am, dude. I, a kid online bro, getting bullied immediately. Literally, well, see, I, my, one of my kids' live streams, and he live streams daily and I'm proud of him for doing this. Cause like he really is taking the initiative to be like, okay, he, he doesn't have a, well, I take that back. Now he has a mic, but for about a month and a half, he would just play games live streamed and no mic at all. Nobody really knew what he was thinking or talking about, but now he's like starting to pick it up a little bit. And like, I played with him. He live streamed that, which is awesome. So, um, the whole point of this is, you know, teachers, fucking step out of your comfort zone you got to realize that pick up a charge teaching is more it kind of ties into this (laughs) it kind of ties into this movie right like social work is for the community it's not just for the time and hours that you're paid for it's way past that and you got to realize that and i'm starting to slowly but surely i'm trying to figure out the right way because like i said like or like you said people people catch a case bro yeah, and it's it happens way too often. I think that's what made me scared, but I'm not scared of it anymore. I'm stepping up. That was my week. You guys take over. Go ahead, go ahead, Chris. Um, it's been pretty normal. Uh, mostly like totally quarantined, just inside playing the video games. But I've also been reading. I started reading Moby Dick, mm. which is like it's a weird thing. Like who like voluntarily reads like some old weird English class book. But it's been really interesting. Um, been playing video games, you know, we're playing some Rainbow, or what what have you? That's and, still uh, that the game still exists. Rainbow Six Siege, yeah. 
Huh? It was it was weird. Like the series fell off. I remember when like Vegas came out and shit, and then right, they yeah. decided to make it like a multiplayer game. But uh, right, that's right. fun. And uh, bro, the, all this stock market shit is hilarious. Glad I did my part. You know, <laughs> like I don't know. It's been like it, it's been good news. I'm like, bro, we're exposing these motherfuckers for what they are. So uh, I, it's been a it's been a good week. I'd I love say. hearing that. If you don't mind me asking, can you go into uh, the the book Moby Dick a little bit like what has really piqued your fancy early on about <laughs> that is his name Dick <laughs> well you know what S- sidebar not sidebar but relating like I was doing this sea monster video for the truly bizarre on YouTube check it out Um, I, I slipped a Moby Dick picture in there just because it- wow <laughs> that does not sound good he wait a minute he slipped a dick pic in the video i gotta go back hold on let me go back and see what you did there. maybe i missed something <laughs> it's a uh, quite a boss hog what, what uh, are you disney with the little mermaid and... oh oh you yeah know that? you the, know about that the penis yes, spire I, I yeah have. that's you you just gonna do it moby dick now though um <laughs> it's a, so the desert moby dick basically it's like the, it's a story about a claw i don't know i have to explain moby dick it's about a big ass whale but I'm only in the beginning so far. The guy's name is Ishmael. He's he's like he's been on a few like voyages as a he likes to be the guy that like does all the jobs like he's on the deck and, uh, you know, it takes like all types of people to run a ship. He's the guy who like does the hardest work. He's like the lowest level, but because he likes it, because he gets to actually see the sea and not be in the cabin and whatever. He decides he wants to go whaling off of Nantucket. Right. Which that's uh, like on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And um, he comes to this other town. Then he sails to Nantucket, and then after that, he meets this cannibal, who like like he's like a cannibal from uh from the east named Queequeg. Don't know the right way to pronounce his Quahog? name. Quahog. No, see, but people make that joke. W- one character in the book mistaked his name and said Quahog, whatever his name is. Which <laughs> apparently a Quahog is a type of clam, right? Which I. I remember on Family Guy, the town's name is Quahog, and one day there was Quahog Day, and the clan was the mascot. I'm like, I don't know why. And they just beat him. Makes sense now. But uh, it's really interesting. He First, he has to bunk with this, this cannibal, who's also a harpooner. Um, and he needs a harpooner, but he's like, oh, this guy's a cannibal. Fuck this guy. <laughs> but then, they turn out to be good friends. Like, even though like Ishmael's kind of a normal guy, normal God-fearing guy, this guy's a cannibal. You know, he, his face is all tattooed. And uh, now they're they're about they're sailing they're about to sail off, or they just sailed off, and uh, so it, it's really interesting. Some of the language is really hard. I keep having to look up definitions of words, but it's kind of like one of the books that built like classic literature for America. So it's kind of like I want to get that perspective and see one of the books that our language is based off. Kind of, I love i love that. Next book is One Fish, oh, Two yeah. Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. Another staple in the American uh, culture. Yes. <laughs> Chris comes back indubitably. <laughs> Quite shallow and pedantic. <laughs> Austin, how was your week, man? So, working as usual. Um, you guys have already known this, but I'll, I'll make it known to the, the, the YouTube-averse, the pot whatever you want to call it. Uh, but I switched my major in college because I realized I, that wasn't the business. So I switched from a bachelor's in video game design to a bachelor's in digital cinematography. Uh, and I think this podcast is one of the big reasons why I did it. Uh, another one is because I, um, for people who don't know, we have our, our show, the truly bizarre. And for anybody watching this on YouTube, I'm the one who's, who's editing this and the audio. 
and I've, I've, I mean, I've been editing videos for a couple of years now, but I've really been doing it. Like I've, I've recently picked up a couple of clients, so I'm getting paid for it. And it's just something that it's just like, wow, this is like super tedious, but I really love it. So I switched my major. So this Sunday, Sunday from when we're recording this, by the time this episode will be, I've already started my classes for that specific program. But starting Sunday night, I start my, I think it's like a, uh, I want to say it's like movies and culture or something like that. It's like a weird gen ed mm-hmm. class. But yeah, I did that. Um, Played some video games, you know, spent time with my son, let him beat me up or whatever. And, uh, you know, did the podcast stuff. It's been like kind of like an average week for me. I just work and then. I think what would be really interesting to tell the people, and I think it's it, it's something that if you know the youth is listening, people that haven't been to college, right? When you make that major change, it's not pressure that's put on you, but there's a lot of questioning behind as to why you are making the change. That oh you're yeah, making. They, so I want you to go into that because I feel that's the main. Well, they questioned me like my school did. When mm-hmm. I changed, they were like, well, we want to know why. I was like, well, I'm already in the industry. Not going to say for who, but I'm already in the industry. I work, you know, with people in what I'm going to school for. I realize it's not a career path I want to go on. Also, like, my family and I are going to buy a house here, hopefully, like, by the end of this year, if not a little sooner. I don't want to have to instantly get up and sell my house and move, to, you know, to get a good career. Granted, I like where I'm at now. If I made a career where I'm at now, I'd be totally 100% fine with it. But, um, you know the schoolwork I was doing, like I was, I was hating, it, like literally hating it. Like I was like, I don't want to do this. Like it was, it was almost like a, like a, no, I don't want to say mental health issue. Cause it's not nowhere near that bad, but it was kind of like a, the thing where like all week, I'm just like, I should really be doing this, but I just don't want to do it. So, and then, you know, doing this editing stuff, it's really like, like I said, I've been doing it for a couple of years, but now I'm doing it professionally. And it's kind of like, yeah, I really enjoy this. George really likes the work I've been putting in. He's he's seen one of the videos that I'm working on currently. It's not out yet because we're still working on it. But he was like, "Bro, this was like Quentin Tarantino or uh, or Doctor Seuss or whoever." That's it, bro. But like, I I think that's a that's a major point that happened. It, it it happens to so many kids, and I think not kids, adults happens to so many adults in which it's just a switch in paths that you're like, man. I could go through this my entire life. And that's a, when you say it, right? I, it, it's like a, a fresh of breath air to me because for me, teaching has been it since I was about five years old. Right. You know what I mean? And Cameron, my, my fiance, she struggles with this too, understanding where do I want to take my life? What path do I want to go down? And, you know, for me, it was never a struggle. So like when people bring up like, oh, making this change and stuff, I'm like, oh, okay. It's it's like, boy, do I got some stories for you about change then? Because this is like my fourth degree change. This is the first one at this school. I originally was going to go to UNLV for for jazz theory mm. or for uh, jazz studies, and then I, you know, played in a band and toured and got so burnt out. I was like, I don't want to do anything with music anymore. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, I'm done. And I just I just didn't go. Life is filled with it, bro. Yeah, and I. Ha- Perhaps I haven't. I, I love sports announcing, so maybe that's my little go to full sale. We have, a, we have a sports to, announcing. Uh, I'm not going to fucking full sale. <laughs> I've looked into it. I trust me, I have. I promise you, the Dan Patrick fucking experience with sports commentary and all that. I promise you, I've looked into it. But yeah, because it's all the ads I get on YouTube now. If you want to um, be behind the camera, in front of the camera. If you want to be editing, this program is for you. Literally, and you know, for 
for me, I, I have my own little side gigs that I do announcing and stuff. So I yeah, think George that's my goes little... to uh George goes to like bum fights and calls the fight. I fucking wish, bro. <laughs> I fucking wish. I would be electric calling bum fights. You'd make Joe Rogan look like a slouch. Joe Rogan, I'm not gonna say anything bad about the guy. But he has his own little special part in the UFC. He doesn't have to do much. I'm more of a Bruce Buffer type. It's time. You know what I mean? Like announce it like in center ring, you know. My, in this corner, we got one-eyed Willie. In this corner, we got crack bro, it, Bob. Literally, my I get off to to getting <laughs> fucking crowd hyped, bro. And I've seen it numerous times, and I love that feeling. So I think that might be the, the little outlet that I'm looking at besides teaching. But I think I could do it, obviously. For all of you that don't know, teaching fucking allows you to do whatever the hell you want because honestly, your day, my day right now ends at 12, 15. What day, what time does your day start? Some days, seven. See, some I'm not even awake until like. I, some days I work two hours. I'm not even going to lie. Some day, like most days I don't even wake up till nine. Mm. I'm getting paid in like at home schooling. I should almost calculate it. Like the amount I'm getting paid per hour. It's fucking ridiculous <laughs> honestly honestly for but like when you're in person it's a different story you know you're really slaving your ass off but when you're teaching at home and you're teaching remotely oh it's stealing people's money bro <laughs> stealing taxpayers dollars you get Good. a phone call right now beep, boop, beep, boop. we would catch like, a bag oh, i wish i wish i would invest in gamestop <laughs> All right, well, let's go ahead and... Uh, well, well, I have a last comment. You can't move on yet, okay? <laughs> so anyways, as I was saying... Um, I have this theory. No, just kidding. I have no theories yet. Not yet. We're, we're they're not that far in the episode yet. But I was going to say that I think like a lot of people in your situation, Austin, are that switch a major. Like, it's weird because like we went through school and it was like a straight path. It's just like you're forced like by law and every fucking... Especially if you have like parents that you know, want you to finish, which most of us did, right? I think like, all of us had yes. parents. We didn't us. have those like slouch parents. Hey, I don't know anybody's situation. Okay. I'm just generalizing. Leave me alone. Hold your parents accountable. But, uh, you know, it's like one straight path, this end to that end. You don't quit that. So I think, I think it's weird to go from that to a situation where like you got like a fork in the road and you got to make a choice. And I think like you're adapting. So like, it's cool. You got to think about what you got to do plus what you want to do. So I think it's badass. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, brother. I'm a cream of the crap. Yeah. <laughs> Just a cream, cream of the crap. <laughs> Could be Miss Elizabeth. Could be Miss Elizabeth. No, no, Miss Elizabeth. No, no, no. I'll come back here, Miss Elizabeth. That's one of the funniest promos, too, is when he's like keeps pushing her away and calling her back. I haven't seen that one. I got to check that yeah. out. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into this, uh, this episode. So. We were going to watch WandaVision, but I'm a slouch and I didn't watch any of it. So I'm catching up this next this next episode, though, we're going to start talking about WandaVision because all the buzz is like, this sucks because Marvel fans are just like, I need to see somebody get punched in the mouth. I'm excited to watch I it. Look I, bum I, I, I did not watch any of it either, um, but I'm excited once I start. Well, Christian says he's watched. He says it's pretty good. So I'll take him at face value. Yeah, it caught me off guard. We'll talk about it when we do. <laughs> he goes, yeah, there was like a drum roll, like a drum fill intro, and then an orange and black logo that appeared. It was really good. I don't know what the ethnicity of the woman was. Oh, but she's also paraplegic. This is... <laughs> what? Me I'll, through a I'll, I'll link what I got off to yesterday uh, oh, in the description. Uh, yeah, we'll put that in the show notes for everybody. 
anyways. So. Anyway, so I was like, you know, maybe we could just watch a movie. And George was like, you know, I'm kind of in a documentary mood. And so we were looking for documentaries and we stumbled upon this one that you were telling us about last weekend after we watched the Bob Lazar one. And that was Frank Serpico, which every time I hear it, I think of Tropico mm. or some like kind of serpent. But uh, so it's about the life of Frank Serpico, the former NYPD officer and whistleblower who exposed rampant com- uh, corruption in the department in the 1960s and 1970s. The reclusive Serpico talks about his life from childhood through retirement. This was, what, about an hour and a half? Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was really good. Um, it really did a good job of, of laying the foundation for, like, just police corruption. And, and, like, the mother of all cities, New York City. People haven't talked about police corruption a lot lately. It's been police, police brutality. Yeah, and this came out in 2017. So yeah. it's, it's like this was, I mean, and he was ahead of his time already in the, in the 60s and 70s going, ayo, ayo, ayo. Like, it's crazy. The only clip that they showed of like modern day police brutality, because you said 2017, was the Eric Gardner? Yeah, I can't believe And you saw a clip of it. That eh, was it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they did mention police brutality, but we'll get into that. Um. I'm sure at some point in time. So I figured the three, because I know we have notes. Christian does a damn near good job of just keeping everything in his head. The mental Rolodex. Looks at scribbles on hands. Frank Semperfy? What was it? Semperfy? (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't he in the Marines? I I was eating fries and the the magic marker smudge. Okay, I don't know what any of this says. It says milk, bread, eggs. What does Israel mean? I don't know. (laughs) What? These are from last week's. No, uh, Bob Lazar was in this. What? Look at your left hand. Oh, oh, right. Milk, eggs. <laughs> Fuck. Well, I'm going to I'm just going to start with this point because at the very beginning, I thought it was crazy how it opens with him having to arrest prostitutes like him talking about like, yeah, I'd have to go in and uh, dress up and we'll get to that in a little bit about his disguise. Christian, we all thought it was goddamn hilarious, but uh, I just wanted I wanted to open with that. Like he just instantly just he's it's him talking. He's like, I had more lights in here. It was like a like a vanity. And he's talking like, yeah, I had makeup and I would have to get dressed and be like, I didn't want to do this, but I got to do it. You have to go out and be like, what are you offering? He is the definition of blue collar worker. When mm. I think of like some and but like coaches talk about all the time, you know, somebody's going to bring their lunch pail to work and, you know, just put in the hard time and effort and then, you know, be able to, to sleep after a long day and be like, you know, I did something productive. I got shot at by my own cops. That is Frank Serpico. Literally. I, I The thing that automatically um, set me off on this, and I think it's just huge, right? He started as a youth social worker. After serving in the military, too, in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. But what people need, I mean, like, when you think of youth social worker, you, I, I, there's a lot of different things you can think of. A youth social worker could be a freaking Pop Warner football coach. But I think he was doing it more along the lines of really helping develop troubled youth into getting a better path, which I related to heavily because that's what, you know, mainly what a teacher's job is, is to, to guide the future into um, what, what you want to see and, you know, creating productive citizens. So him starting as a youth social worker was definitely like something that they wanted to, they wanted just to tickle your nuts with at the beginning they just want to say hey this dude's been carrying since the jump and i think we all literally uh, too he's been carrying since the jump um (laughs) but so like 
you guys watching this documentary for the first time, I already watched it. Um, when it's starting, right, they kind of give you the story right at the jump. You know, they right. say he gets shot in the face. They they give you like all these big time like bullet points, right? And it, they're gonna cover them throughout. Um, at the beginning, did you guys see this going down the path that you guys thought it would? Or oh know? yeah, yeah, I thought it was gonna be very linear. Just like here's how I got everywhere, and like, and not to say it was bo- it was boring because it wasn't. Like the the story itself was very entertaining, but like. It didn't like Bob Lazar kind of went a different direction than I was expecting it to. Mm-hmm. Like it went more into, I don't know, it went more into like picking the brain of Bob Lazar more than just talking about like the events around Bob Lazar. I think the thing that makes these two separate incidences is just one is so linear. Like Serpico's thing is so played out. It, it's not played out. It's so uh, factual and evidence based where Bob's was, you know, still up for interpretation right speculation there was like the two sides of it mm-hmm. oh here's the mainstream narrative and here's the here's our narrative you know whereas this is just like here's what happened a b c d which i think it's good you know we watch one documentary still up for speculation and we watch one right now where we're just like wow we got a lot of information uh, in an hour and 30 minutes that you know helps shape our perception on law enforcement which you know Frank eventually ended up serving, and so he went Bacon? from he went from Navy, right, Austin? He went from Navy. Was it the Navy? I think he was in the Marines. Marines, the fucking boat people with guns. You're getting you're getting <laughs> it confused with my story. Uh, to social worker, to then starting to work for the NYPD. Right. I think that's where we're at now. Um, and like we said, you know, he's always out there trying to do good. Um. And and something that also ties into him doing good, and I I, I just found it as a, a nice little tie into the kind of guy Serpico is, is a uh, feeding bird early on. You know what I mean? Right? Yeah. He goes, I got my little friend over here, crow. Do you guys know anybody that feeds birds? I don't. No. My my neighbor, my old neighbor, she was an older lady. I, I'm assuming she's dead now. She was old as fuck. But I was telling Christian this because we were driving back to my house one day, and there was like a circle of just like you know this mass of pigeons. I was like, that'd be above my house a lot of the time because she would just feed them. So there'd be like 300 pigeons above my like my house just circling. And it, I think it, it's just a weird roundabout way of just continuing to show early on that this man cares a little bit deeper than most about the little things in life. Mm. Which I think um, you know, kind of, kind of ties this whole thing together. Um, Serpico wanted to be a cop or or started to started to perceive this reality of cops early on when he was shining a cop shoe. Yeah. yeah Did he goes, you shine my shoe? So he has to, he's working at a shoe shining shop that his pops owns. He's shining shoes for a cop one day. And then he's like, Oh my God, you know, like I'm finally shining the shoe of a police officer. Give him the best shine. You know, fuck spit. Shine. I gotta stop using that word. He gave him a little spit shine. And the cop, after the best shine that Serpico's ever gave and said uh, nothing and just left and didn't pay him at all. Like what in the world? You know what I mean? So that kind of leaves the, like a well, sour taste. And then he comes back and his dad's at the door and he goes, you, he goes, shoe shine. Yeah. All right. 10 cents. You pay first. He goes, we never saw that cop again. Mm. Mm. It, it, this whole thing. Right. And I mean, like we I know we're going to keep turning back to Serpico being that, 
stand up human being. Um, Narc. <laughs> just but do you like a, a moment like that when you're a kid? I, I'm sure we all have like these these moments that um, you know are hard to explain. But for you guys, did you guys think that that played a huge role in his perception of police? Or did you think that like that's just like, oh shit, you know, not all cops are as good as it. I think as, it's the second one because I think he really formed his perception when he started working as a cop and he was like thirty five dollars. What? <laughs> he came back for thirty five dollars. Kind of going off of that, I think that he it's something he saw as a kid that really was kind of like a foreshadow in a way, but he didn't come to understand it. And there probably wasn't that much significance in that memory until later when he realized, wow, that makes so much sense. Seeing now that these cops, they don't want to protect and serve. These people want to take from the community and not give back. Mm-hmm. So it's like interesting how his like this, this child, you know, when you're a kid and you want to be whatever you want to be and you hold certain things in high regard. And then, you know, once like real life happens, you're like, oh, shit, there's context now. And I think uh, that's what's that, it's real interesting. And especially that story is a real interesting preamble to this whole thing because it gets back to the same like subject matter. Um, something I somewhat important to know is that um, Superco? Superfy? Serpico. 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 Jeez, I, I keep thinking of the word sepulchre and I don't know why. Sepulchre. Serpico. Uh, <laughs> Serpent Company, Serpico. I can make a snake company. That's the next MLM. Uh, <laughs> Wait, wow, we're 25 <laughs> minutes in. That's a world record. Um, but oh man, now what was I talking about? Uh, oh yeah, okay. So I didn't know this. There was a movie that starred uh, Al Pacino. Yeah, I didn't know Serpico, and his it showed his story right in the, you know the typical Hollywood fashion. Didn't know that movie was a thing. Have never seen it. And apparently, you know, that imposed kind of this like uh, fantasized or uh, maybe exaggerated or somewhat like a skewed version of the story to a lot of people. Um, he is like a heroic person. But uh, coming, what was interesting in this film was like the weight of that film being part of the story. And I'm kind of glad in a way that I got to see like this documentary before I knew of that. Cause it's like, it's really, it's kind of like the, the, the less, like the legend of like a Western. It's always like, yeah, cowboy culture and shit. It wasn't really like that back then, but it was similar. And so, you know, in all these Western movies, we kind of, they kind of directed it how they would have liked it to be, mm-hmm. you know, how they, they fantasized, you know, maybe that time was. So, you know, that's, that's just Hollywood, but uh, it's definitely an interesting thing to think about. Well, keeping it kind of towards the beginning, I wrote, uh, corruption always seems to stem from narcotics. God, Austin, I could go on a rant about this, but you go ahead, bro. Like, it's just, I don't know. Like, that's what, that's what really led him. I get, well, no, no, that didn't even lead him into getting mistreated. What led him into getting mistreated was where he lived. He lived in like an artsy, like apartment complex. And they were like, no, we all have wives and we beat them. What are you doing? So, yeah dude so he's a hippie kind of literally which, a hippie which was like he he lived in this community where like there was like a lot of hippies yep. let's just call them like to be like very it was what the early mid 60s yep 
So there you go. And the police officers, the people that he was trying to work with in the forest, they fucking picked up on, you know, he had a beard. His hair was kind of long. It was well, he was a detective, cut. too. So they and they kind of they kind of singled him out. And like he, he, he explained it this way. He said it was like a club atmosphere. Right. Which I thought, like, I immediately thought of like Gamergate and stuff, like, like oh, it's a boys' club, and yeah, well, which, but I, but I understand, like, what it, what it feels like, like, oh, this is a club, you know, you got to be a certain way to, you know, to break bread with us. So very interesting how he was kind of discriminated against right from the bat. Yeah, and like he was, he was a detective, and because he had this long hair and everything, his like inspector was like, I knew I saw you in the bathroom with that other guy, and he was like, What are you talking about? And sure enough, they go, uh, you've been demoted from detective. You're doing, uh, you're in uniform starting like Monday. So you had to cut his hair again and all that. I was like, damn. And that's, I think that's what really started. It was like that whole downshift. But yeah, like he realized like, oh, there's hella corrupt. Like he said, his sergeant was like, you don't fuck with money here. Like you leave it alone and you move on with your life and you just live life because you know, it's going to be good. He was like, because he said like, Christian, I don't know why he, I I can see why he thought it was so funny. So he's on a, like he's training and he's with this training cop and he goes and pulls over this guy and the guy goes, come on, man, give me a break. I only got $35 in my wallet. And he comes back and he goes to his officer, like in charge, he goes, he he said he had $35 in his wallet. He's like, I'll take care of it. He comes back and goes, we got $35. Let's split it. (laughs) Bro, that just, it goes to show. And I know you said, uh, it's crazy how all corruption's tied to narcotics. Um, a thought that I had probably right around last week, you know what I mean? I was underneath the influence of some substances. I will not state on this podcast. Um, but it, it really makes me wonder and realize why in the world are drugs just so uh, fought against? You know what I mean? This thing that makes people have these... Uh, changing perspectives and that's it really, why right there it it and that's the thing bro i'm look at, like look at what's happening right now with wall street literally literally like oh you can't play our game and win at it no yes right so you know no you can't do drugs and actually like make a make a living unless you give us some um but like drugs have always been fought against and it, it makes me realize i'm like man is it just the the man who's in charge right the the government officials who who put forth these policies to to fight drugs and stuff? Is it because they don't want people to to have this opening of perspective, or is it because they understand if these people have this opening of perspective, that the world may not pan out in the way in which they want it to? You know, which is more free loving, which is more like Serpico esque, right? You know, I know Serpico never mentioned that he did drugs, but I'm sure we'll mention at some point in time in here. There's got to be a point in time where this man dropped acid or did some sort of psychedelic because he has a lot of those personality traits. It's a free loving, like hippie quality to him. Yes. Which, which, like, I say that, I don't know if I can't be, I say in a positive sense, like, he's a really, seems like a very chill guy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's just like if any of my kids that I teach came to me and said, you know, like they were, you know, doing drugs and stuff. And it's like, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to lie to these kids. You know what I mean? I'm going to be honest with them. It's, it's a, there's some that are really out there that help people understand the kind of person they are. And then there's some drugs out there that, you know, if you abuse them, they could end up ruining or hurting your life. But I'm not going to say don't do drugs. Like flat out 
to any of my kids because, you know, you need to have that experience. You need to have that perspective to truly understand, you know, your life and where you fit in with this moment in time and this chemical balance that's going on in your brain. Um, why are drugs illegal? That was my whole spiel. You know what I mean? It's like George 2024. If you don't have drugs be illegal, none of this shit really happens, bro. Like Serpico doesn't happen if drugs are legal. Well, because the first bribe he saw wasn't a narcotics bribe. It was just a bribe. And I think that's what set him off. And yeah. be- and the whole thing, because he didn't quite fit in, they just attacked him for it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I feel like the narcotics, well, I mean, that's how, I don't think, I don't know if I want to jump to that, but I have a point about that though. The The sergeant tells him, you got to respect the contract. Mm. Contract he didn't even sign, but there's like a mutual agreement between these like, these people and the police force like, hey, we'll pay you. Stay the fuck out of our business. What business? Okay. Literally, bro. And it's it's never ending when it comes to this whole cop cycle that we hear about in the Serpico story. Um, I I had to mention down here, Serpico, Serpico was a badass undercover cop. Like, I mean, you, for somebody who's trying to catch like drug dealers and stuff, you can't pick a better person than Serpico. Cause the, I, yeah, you can. You can pick somebody who actually takes their disguises good. Good. I thought his disguise okay. was great. All right, Christian, please enlighten. So, so look, there's this one frame, and and I think it just comes down to like the editing or, or what they chose to show. But Serpico was saying like, yeah, we had a lot of makeup and costumes, and I'd have to go undercover. And right when they said go undercover, it flashed to a picture of him in pretty normal clothes, except he had like a cowboy hat that was like skewed 45 degree angle in a really <laughs> stupid way. And I just thought to myself, is that is that what it looks like when you're undercover? You just have a fucking hat on, you know? So, yeah, we definitely we and definitely. He, he did some like accents too. He's like, "Hello, it's me. I like sex. How you how you do?" Oh, and then, dude, and then he had, excuse my language, but this is how the comps would have put it: the Arab costume. Oh yeah, he had a uh, Middle Eastern man. He had like the guard, like a like a I don't know what it's gonna call. I'm not gonna attempt to try to name it. The uh, the garb that they wear, the thing over their head not not like not like a turban type thing, but the more one that's kind of like a cloth almost, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess uh, the the robe very, type thing, very Osama. Yeah, but he was like smiling, like it was like a like a photo shoot. He's like, I caught three people like this. Uh, he's definitely <laughs> a funny guy. Like he's a he's a jokester and he's like a high energy guy the whole yeah. time. He's very likable in that sense. Um, I think like. What you said about like a wire drugs illegal and like this whole like cop connection, I think there's two like sides to this story: the the war on drugs overall, and then like general just police culture. Wh- about the war on drugs, what interested me is that the war on drugs is basically over now today, right? No, in a you think sense. No. I I, Compa- I know compared so. to when when it was spawned and the energy that we put into it today, I feel like a lot has changed. It's I, not no, openly I, advertised. Well, I would say that they would. I mean, look, we still have so many people serving pe- I, like crimes for petty charges, but they're just not like like back then. Like you had like uh, like Reagan being like, "Ah, I'm gonna plant it here, but we're gonna get you for it." Just say no, right? The just say no chant back in the day about freaking smoking crack cocaine. Um, then you find but, out all the big wigs are doing it. No, it still happens, bro. Follow uh, on Instagram, follow uh, Las Vegas Metro Narcotics. 
department. I follow them. They only get about five likes a post. Nobody follows this <laughs> fucking page, right? But they show these huge drug busts they do and, you know, the money they find, the drugs they find, and, like, in total, you know, how much money each kind of, like, haul is, in a sense. And and they do it. Like a I don't vlog. Know, I don't know if this... <laughs> Target metro, haul. I don't know if, like, the Metro Department is really trying to, like, you know, scare off people and nobody follows them on fucking Instagram. Obviously they're getting five likes a post. Um, like us on TikTok. <laughs> fix it. Fix it, bros. Do it. Um, but yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I do. I feel contrary to that because I do uh, obviously a person that, you know, dabbles in a lot of different, um, substances, substances. Like I, like what I you have know, in there, George, I know, uh, uh, <laughs> that a lot of the people that I get these substances from, they go through a lot of scrutiny, a mm, lot of okay. scrutiny. It's, it's a lot more than, you know, what, like, like how Austin said, it's a lot more than what they portrayed back then, because I feel back then it was more of a push. You know what I mean? Yeah, Reagan now it's just, did a, did it's just not openly advertised now, Yeah, but they're still doing it. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, the legalization of marijuana definitely changes uh, a lot of things. Cause that's a, they still on that Metro Department narcotics page will post weed. Will they get huge? Well, because you're only allowed to have so much now, right? Isn't that what the you the just law? can't fucking sell it, bro? That's why well, I heard you can only have up to a certain amount because I know you can grow. I think you can grow yeah. up to like four plants. Yeah, I know, but like, there's a there's a distinct difference, I guess. And I guess a lot of these people that are selling weed are selling other stuff. Too. Yeah, it just happens to be there too, right? Type situation. So we get to see the the little mixed combo of it, but I. I see where you're coming from in the, in the, it's not as sensationalized as, uh, the past goes, but I, I didn't mean to like jump in on that. Were you, were well, you, no, thinking, you, knew, you knew something that I didn't. So for sure, for sure. And, and, and I, I do know that that's, it's still very real. You know, the war on drugs is, it's still there guys. So like, I have a question. What constitutes as a narcotic? What's the difference between saying drugs and narcotic? What drugs are considered narcotics? I think it's all the same. Yeah, it's just I'm a different honest. term. Booze, alcohol. I think, yeah, I think they oh, just... Oh, uh, so weed is a narcotic. You'll see pills on... You'll see, like, prescription pills. Yeah. You'll see prescription pills on there. I think there. it's anything that can be... A, and they classify it as addictive... Substances. Yeah, addictive substances. Such a wide fucking brush is... Oh, you know bro, they make it as GTA wide as they can. a narcotic? Because <laughs> I played it for eight hours? It's as wide as they can paint it, bro, because, you know, you want to catch as much as you can. Yeah, and get as much money as you can. Um, but so jumping back into Serpico, they, they mentioned this one thing called the, the, the pod, right? Which is like this organized system. I thought uh, it was the pad. 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 My bad. I put pad, but I was like, when I'm reading like my notes, I'm like, <laughs> I probably I meant to you. put pod there. Um, but this organized system in which they pay off cops right those contracts you were talking about and they were talking about getting millions of dollars oh, a yeah. year oh yeah millions of dollars that was in the 60s correct which is like probably in the multi-millions now mm -hmm. for like if you count that with inflation yes yes um and it was all based around and, and they had mentioned it quickly but irish catholic mainly irish catholic police department you know what i mean so what i was trying to tie into there is saying that you know you get a lot of people of the same belief, of the same background, you can start to develop like this insane pattern in which it's impossible to stop. And then you right. reach this point of millions of dollars a year being brought in. 
And of course they don't want that system messed up, bro. No, they probably like, I bought my daughter like her, like her dream car with this, or I, I paid for my kid's college, which like I understand is like a hardworking person, but still it's kind of like, uh, is it the moral thing though? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the ethnic part is very interesting because didn't they say at the beginning that Frank and his family immigrated from a certain part of Italy, Southern Italy, that was apparently they said the Southern Italians, the immigrants, and they came to Ellis Island, correct? Yeah. And they said they were like illiterate and they didn't want to learn the English language. So they were apparently frowned upon like more than another type of Italian immigrant. Yeah. Just any other from different waves of immigration. So like, and that was another like part of like the ethnic, you know, go here's these Italian or uh, Irish cat. Irish Catholics? Yep. Is that what they said? Mm-hmm. Yep. They're running the police departments another way that not only like the subjects of the neighborhoods, but also Frank was kind of discriminated against. Mm-hmm. You're like, you're so different than us. You're not, you don't believe we believe. You're not the same color as us. You want to, you don't want to take bribes for drugs. I don't like you. I think so this a- is, this is a question we all have. And I want to know you got what you guys think. Uh, how in the world, right, when you have this many differences, you have a lot of issues coming up early on with one singular guy. How did Frank Serpico stay in the police department? Because he said, he goes, he said, no, I, ha- I have an oath. I took an oath to do this. I got to do it. Because remember, he said that in the movie, there's a scene of it, too, where he goes up it's right before he gets shot. Spoiler. Uh, <laughs> uh, he goes up to the top of the roof and he was like, I could just throw my badge right now and just leave. But he's like, nope, I took an oath. I got to do it. He seems like a guy, like you said, like a, a blue collar man. like, I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But still, that doesn't. I get that part, but that still doesn't answer my question, because, you know, if you have the guy that's in charge, right, that Irish Catholic boss, hey, this freaking Italian isn't following along with our rules. I for me personally, right, somebody that like is just looking from the outside in hindsight's 2020 for this police chief back in the 1960s you fire serpico you never get this mm. you know what i mean you just get rid of this guy early on when you when you start noticing like these weird problems you get rid of him now i don't know if it's just like one of those things where like the u.s government couldn't kill bob lazar right like because it would be too obvious would firing of him been too obvious for these mofos or no like- they could have they could have back then because bob lazar like in the 80s they had surveillance and stuff like that mm-hmm. um It'd be a little harder to keep, like just look it up. Yep. He also he, it was also a little easier to gather information. With him, they could have been like, nah, he never followed the rules. He has all these complaints. They could have just written up random complaints. Yes, right. Yeah. So that's why I'm I'm confused as to why he was able to stay on this police department because they were they probably were afraid that he would just instantly come out and they would be a headache. Like, Let's just keep him in. We'll just keep him on the bottom. Put and- him on some shit. Well, they put him on narcotics, or, right? which was super dangerous. And I think that's, I'm going to be real. I think he was set up to get shot. So I guess we'll, I guess we'll move. I know you guys probably have points on that too, but like, so he, get, he, he's working a drug bust and he's the guinea pig to go get the door open and he gets shot in the face. I know. I wish I would have brought this up just a second. Oh, before this, uh-huh. before he gets shot in the face, major point. So I'm going to keep this short. Um, Frank had start to notice this corruption and he was bringing it up to certain people. And once, you know, like it, they had showed documents of him trying to reach the, the police chief and the police commander, especially. 
before yeah, the, this the commissioner even, yeah before this even happened and he was rejected any meetings with the well police. he said he said yeah he said yeah sure i'll meet with you but he never got to it right he just never did it right which is pretty much i'm not meeting with you mo like i'm yeah. just not gonna do it um but he gets shot in the face bro yeah he on gets a shot drug in the, bust. on a drug bust with his two cop friends all i gotta say i know you're gonna say this but holy shit they got an interview with Frank and his partner that was there when he got shot. Th- this dude is probably the most like asshole person I've ever seen. Okay, I want to talk about that guy because that that was a that was a interesting ass part. Yeah, I've got notes on him, but I want to answer your thing from earlier about you know like how the how the hell did he stay on the force? Right? There's a few theories about that that could be true. Either a the first is. It'd be too suspicious because he was speaking out and it'll look like it'd, it'd be like if they killed Bob Lazar, that's one. But then you could say, ah, you know, they were the cops were all together, so they could have got away with that anyways. B is he, you know, I, I think that they gave him pushback and they for people they don't want on the force that probably usually works like ah, they'll just leave. They'll stop because we're, you know, we're giving them shit. I think that uh, Frank was like too determined to, to keep on so that didn't work so like fuck what do we do now so they either said one of two things he's still useful if he's gonna be fucking persistent let's at least make him useful put him somewhere he's useful he seemed good at what he did you know so oh put him on narcotics yeah you know because yeah, yeah. he was a detective very early on and then they bumped him down from that so and i believe that he was good so either that or the other thing is b they said He's persistent. He won't fuck off. So let's make him useful or let's get put him on a job that's going to get him killed, which, you know, put him on narcotics. He almost did got killed. That did got killed. I'm great at fucking grammar. But I'm glad you brought that up. My brain, you know, there's a lot of different avenues. That seems the most uh, spot on, though. Oh, yeah. Especially with what you keep him on, put him on something dangerous. Put him in a situation in which it wouldn't look as if, you know, we killed him. It would look as if somebody else did, right? Some typical Irish Catholic mob boss type shit. Yeah. Uh, I have notes on that whole incident, though. So he has a whole, he talks about how he gets shot and he's looking down and he sees two cops and they're just like, oh, he was probably a narc. So they just carry him down and then take him to the hospital. So he goes and basically stiff arms the, after he gets healed up and everything, the police department into giving him his like his like notes on his like crime that was reported. And it was reported as a code 1010, which in the NYPD translates to possible crime. Mm. Which means it's like shots like heard, something like that. But his homie in the blue shirt said, no, we called a 1013, which means like I think officer shot. And Frank is like, no, it wasn't because there was only two cops there. He's like, you've, I know you have, you've been there for a 1013, right? Yeah. What happens? Oh, a lot of cops show up. Then where were all the cops? Well, you know, you were isolated. And so then he finds out that, no, it was a civilian that called the, the that called the police to say, Hey, I think there's a shot. There's somebody shot upstairs. So, so I, I literally said like blue shirt guy is a punk. Uh, he literally said that no one came to help him. Uh, like no civilian came to help him. 
like, oh no, we took care of you. And the, but then he he says like, oh, the movie made it seem like, co- like we were out to get you. But then you find like they totally were out to get him. It's kind of like, dude. And George, I know you like wh- you kept saying this like every time he come up on screen. What did I say? I call him a bitch ass. No, you you were like the balls on this dude. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. To take this interview, I I think um because he gets like drilled by Frank for like a good solid like two minutes, bro. W- when you were going through that little point there made me remind of this one like the scene where you know frank shot he's on the ground he's bleeding and then frank uh you know like as he's bleeding and he's like you know what people would consider you know dying out and he describes it pretty well as like you know i was really fighting against the urge to just really go like frank said that like i'm not gonna leave earth right now like this like i'm not complete um and he's like getting the blood wiped off his face, I guess, by his partner, right? The one he got an interview with. And the, the part <laughs> Frank said, uh, why are you smothering me? And this just like made me think, you know, like. Was that guy in the interview, he knew what was going on. He knew that Frank was still alive. Do You think he was trying to like maybe smother this mofo to like really like. Well, yeah. Remember, there's a book in the might be trying to like kill him on the spot because like, why are you smothering me is a very, very specific like term term to describe somebody just wiping blood out of your face. Cause like, I mean, I've had injuries and stuff where people are trying to clean me up and never once have I described it smothering. Yeah. Well, remember he said like, there's another ex cop who wrote a book and he was one of the ones that showed up to, to help pick, pick him up. And he goes, if I would have known that was Serpico, I would have let him bleed out. You know, I took that line as him, Frank Serpico saying like, you know, oh, I was so, uh, you know, so confused and out of, out of, you know, myself when I woke up or out of sorts, let's say that, uh, he was wiping the blood on my face and in my confusion, all I could think was, oh, are you smothering me right now? I took it as just pure confusion from his part, which is valid. But you get shot in the face. I don't know. How it's that a very feels. interesting proposition that I didn't think about. I t- I literally, bro, it just popped in my head as soon as you started <laughs> mentioning it. I was like, fuck. You yeah. know, like they're really trying to, he was trying to finish the job. Right. That's where my notes kind of end, though. Everything else is just kind of like a redemption story. But I was just like, that blue shirt guy, I was like, that dude's a bitch. Like, come on, man. You're going to sit there and. I will say, though, like, and like I said throughout, you know, the nuts on that guy oh, yeah, to take to that interview. Up. You know what I mean? Because he's being interviewed two feet away. Look, Chris, like how far away Chris is from me right now. He's being interviewed with the same cop that was on him with the same job. Um, I, I, I was wondering if you guys had this thought too. What happened to the guy that shot Frank Serpico? Like what they, I mean, I don't know if I missed it or like they just didn't mention it. Like does he? This man just shoot through this tiny ass New York apartment, and then he doesn't get like killed. No, because he's probably paying. That's and I think they just it, it, it somewhat encapsulates that this was a setup. Job. Well, because he says like he gets it, so he knocks on the door and and he's talking to him in Spanish, and then he shoves his arm into the door and holds it open. He's like, "Come on, guys, what are you doing?" And then he gets shot in the face. Right, right, but like if. There's no answers as to what happened to that guy. And I mean, we went through an entire hour and 30 minute documentary and it was never mentioned. He's on a report. It's about Frank Serpico. 
<laughs> but God, I mean, this is it, man. This is the man that shot him. You know what I mean? That's the that's the true question of this, I feel. To paint like a brief like a rough timeline that I that I paint out of my mind is they took it this thing was a setup to some degree to get Serpico killed, right? Serpico goes up there, goes to the door, they let him get shot. Then these cops fuck off. They're like, all right. He got shot. Let's walk the fuck off. But then that civilian, he he calls the police, so it's like, ah, fuck. Now we have now we we can't let him by now because now it's been reported. So then at that point they go back up. They were they they didn't care who shot him. They were just gonna let they, the police originally that were like kind of with him in the operation were just gonna fucking fuck off, right? They they're like you don't care who shot him, you know his yeah, life turns up dead. Yeah, the commissioner probably would have been like, ah, oh, shame. So then it became uh, you know, oh. The body will be found. It won't be our problem type of situation to, ah, okay, now he's not dead. So now we have to like take care of the, the focal part was taking care of Frank. Like, ah, we, we can't let him just die now. They didn't care about stopping whoever, whoever it was that shot him. They didn't care about stopping them from the get go. If this was to be a setup, which I think all things point towards it was to some degree. Correct. So that's kind of how I sort it out in my mind. That's I'm glad you painted out that. That was a good timeline picture for me so i'm just gonna let you guys kind of take it because we do have only like a little bit we have about 20 30 minutes left so i want to make sure you guys get your points in because i know Mm -hmm. you said uh you might have some thoughts from another person who was uh witnessing the documentary with us oh yeah yeah hers is quick i i that's like 15 seconds (laughs) okay it's hilarious but it's 15 so please uh george continue with that because you got my you seem to have way more notes so i I mean dude the thing that just (laughs) gets me in the in this whole thing is that uh you know a a, a man that is sta- like the thing that i hope is that frank serpico made a lot of those cops realize how messed up corruption truly is you know what i mean because you got a man like like you said earlier he's standing for an oath he's a blue collar lunch pail kind of guy when you picture a cop and you think of the definition of a cop you see Somebody like Frank Serpico, somebody who stands for wanting everything to be have order, right? Everything doesn't have to be in order, but at the end of the day, there is some order, right? Um, and and he's just fighting this this uphill battle, and and he begins to highlight the true issues that still lie within police today, just in a different form, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, it kind of ties in, like we said earlier with the Eric Gardner thing. And I think Frank did his best at that point in time to highlight police injustice and, and this, this overwhelming sense of, uh, power that we give these individuals that are no different. I know right now from people that I actually have met in my life and I've spoke to them, I know about five six police officers they're no different than us guys i have a like a story i did a freaking i put in a pinch of dip with a police officer right now in in english class he was sitting right next to me we put in a a, a pinch of dip you know we're freaking chewing tobacco in the middle of an english class yeah but that's not illegal i know but you know what i mean it 
They, it's like smoking a cigarette with a cop. But it's like well, it. just folks. But this is early on. You know what I mean? I'm just showing you that cops make mistakes and that we have to realize that sometimes, you know, we're we're putting our fate in in security in these people that are just normal fucking human beings, bro. They are no like cops aren't these superheroes. Serpico's a rare breed. I'm just built different. Right? <laughs> Nobody's Serpico. Boy built. got shot in the face and lived. Bro, yeah, how? with a twenty two, that kills more people than any other round in the world. Inches, bro. Do you guys ever, do you, when you guys were looking at those pictures, you're just like yep. inches, inches up, yeah, yeah. millimeters up or down. Up. He said his his the like. fragment was pushing on his carotid artery, like it was just nudging it. Yeah, like like I, I and that was that's a really significant part of his story because it's like he got this like second win, like this new lease on life. Like I lived for a reason, and now I'm gonna fucking do something about it. And that was definitely. Com- big compelling part of his story so i moved to holland i think that's the only logical thing you can do honestly After you i wouldn't know i wouldn't know on it because i don't ever picture myself being in this george remember the situation but uh, <laughs> literally like you have to leave the the place in which you you know because you understand that your life isn't valued you know what I mean? And when your life isn't valued, you leave the country. You right. got shot in the face by the people that are supposed to protect you when there's an incident. How would you not leave? Yeah. How would you not leave forever? Yeah, he eventually came back, which was wild. Right? That's move back to New York. Yeah, just upstate, fucking, but still. Hey, Frank, there's 49 other states, bud. There's one literally like out in the middle of the ocean, out of the middle of the Pacific Ocean. You want to go to that one? No, no, no. Let's just move back to New York. Why not? It's what's what he knew. I think. I think he. And I think it's what he knew. And I think it was kind of him sticking it back to people and saying, "Hey, I'm not afraid of uh, a good time." Uh, <laughs> it, I, and I, I'm going to try to make this as quick as possible. There's a big story going on right now with a person that's running against uh, Vladimir Putin. I don't know if you guys. Have- I've seen very little about, but the guy who got poisoned. Yes. Yeah. He got oh, poisoned, shit. bro. He gets poisoned by the Russian government. It's like three, pretty four much months ago. He was in a coma. Proof. proof. He, he listen to how badass this dude is. He not prank called, but he called the people pretending to be like the the Russian security agency trying to get the details of the incident. He called one of the people that was in on the job, and this dude laid out everything down to them putting the poison in his underwear. He has it recorded, and he was pretending to be somebody. Right, he knows he got poisoned by these guys. He lives. He was in a coma for a month. He lives. This mofo flew back to Russia last week. Got arrested at the airport. And he said, "He said, I know I'm going to get arrested, but I know I'm right because he was in Germany when it happened." Right. Mm-hmm. He said, "I know I'm going to get arrested." He tried to, so he made this big push. Right. Listen, this story gets nuts, bro. Well, I, and they, they were protesting in the streets too. So they were waiting for him at the airport because he said, I'm landing at this place at this time. I need people there, you know, to like at least witness the incident and see me get captured and see like, oh, this is messed up. They, as his plane's coming in, his plane gets diverted to another airport that's like, you know, probably about 100 miles away. You know why? Because they said a snow plow was on the runway and they couldn't get it moved off. 
after he had about about a couple thousand people waiting for him at the airport, his flight gets diverted to another airport. And, you know, his rush, his his supporters try to rush over there. By the time it's it's probably a little too late. Right. Gets arrested. And now we're waiting. But it's very similar to Frank Serpico traveling right back to New York. It's kind of crazy how all these stories. He just didn't get arrested. Follow a on the way similar back. path, bro. He didn't get arrested because he did nothing wrong. He did nothing wrong. And neither did this other guy. But that's Russia. And, you know, everything in Russia is backwards. Different. Their R's are backwards. Backwards, bro. Um, I, We heard the term rotten apples. At a at a point in time <laughs> yeah. in this uh this documentary, and it ties into that police injustice piece that I want to touch. Um, do you like like he, uh Frank brought up rotten apples in the 1960s, like when this whole trial was going, using it. and we're still using it today, which made me lead. Do you guys think rotten apples started from Frank Serpico's term rotten apples? No, it's it's like a a saying. It's been a saying forever. Okay. I just, I, I, I didn't know. I was like, man. It's just funny that we've been using the same phrase to describe the same thing, though, <laughs> since the 60s. Yeah. Rotten apple low key is like, isn't that the Adam and Eve story? No, it's, I think it's like a food preservation like, don't thing. Don't touch the apple. No, I, I always I, thought I, it was like when you, like, you know, you, you go to a, like an orchard, orchard, leave me alone. Yep. And you pick, you know, there's a tree full of apples. You pick all the apples. Well, there's going to be a few rotten apples in the bunch. You know, inevitably, there'll be a few bad ones, but not most of them. Right, right. And, you know, I said there's two sides to this. You could, the one you could tie to the war on drugs and just to the police culture overall. And, like, this definitely is echoed in the shit that's been going on today. George Floyd, right? And all this stuff that's happened. And, you know, like, admittedly, I'm like the person who I'm more on the right. Like, I understand why the riots happen and understood why, in a sense, that they had to happen. But, like, I disagree with a lot of the some of the rhetoric surrounding certain things. Right. But it's interesting because I viewed certain things as just like the new, like uh, sensational, like liberal stuff like, oh, uh, you know, they're just sensationalist liberals. But in this, you know, in Frank's story, I heard the rotten apple thing and I heard. You know, the fact that he's a social worker, right? You know, like they kind of drew that difference. There's cops and then there's people who want to create a positive impact in their community. Two different things in a way, truly. And this new rhetoric with, you know, the reforming police is that we should, you know, get social workers to do certain things. And I scrutinize the fuck out of that because I'm like, huh, somebody has a machete. Are you going to call a social worker? I'll admit that, like, I said that shit, but it it's going to make me really think about it. The fact that there were sentiments like that have been around for a long time. It wasn't, it's, it wasn't just this new, like 2016 onwards wave. It kind of has roots in other things. So it's definitely a relevant like thing to, to see kind of unfold in that story. So Chris, uh, we got to kind of wrap things up because I know we're running out of time, but I want to get yours first, like your general consensus consensus on this. And like, you know, we got to give it a pineapple rating, but I figured, uh, yes, I figured Christian should lead the charge on that one, especially with a speech like that just now. I and know no MLM bro. required. Yeah. Uh, most lesson about lobsters. I don't remember. No, you were but, saying, Oh, you said one at 25 minutes. In oh, snakes. Uh, snakes, serpent co serpent company. Yeah. Make mugs. 
<laughs> but it's a snake, so you have to like hold it super long. <laughs> yes. Really holds like one ounce. It's like a freaking beer bong for coffee. Yeah, it's like a pencil snake. They're thin and long, you know? So what do you what do you Just what like did me. you think and what do you give this? This was really good and eye-opening. The last significant thing that I wanted to mention that made me like it is that it's a, his story is a very positive one because he, you know, he braved the storm, made a positive impact on society and left his legacy to plant those seeds in future generations. And then, you know, at the end, he, you know, he lived on a farm, kind of that like ranch type place. And then in Holland again, and like you could see that he still chooses to create positivity in his personal life. And like, I think that's like, that's the target kind of, you know, create a good impact in your community, then find your positivity in life. And I'm like, wow, this wasn't just like informative. This was like a very positive thing. So it was actually really good. I'd probably give it 4.5. pinnacles. So now we'll go to George. Uh, If you want to read the Cameron thing real quick and then roll that into your rating. Yes. I'm I'm curious to see what you, because so you were, she was watching it with us. Cameron, my fiance said, because I put Cameron thoughts, I always take notes. She, I was like, hey, let me just see what she actually thought about this. She said, snitches get stitches, lol. (laughs) But also, police brutality is very bad. Still a huge issue. She straight up said, I'm coming for that ass. Thanks, Cam. But I'm going to do it off duty. Snitches get stitches. She's (laughs) one to talk, right? She's one to talk about all this. (laughs) Literally. Um, All right, everybody. Guys. No, okay, please. I need you to answer this question as quickly as possible. No. What happens if Serpico dies in that situation? What happens if Serpico just freaking gets shot? He actually gets killed. He dies in that moment. What what happens? It would become a conspiracy and it would be there would be the mainstream narrative, which would be basically it'd be like any other conspiracy today where like you know, there's the mainstream narrative that everybody believes in, and then if you even question it, you're like a fucking tinfoil hat guy. That's how it would turn out, I think. Are we talking about like when he was shot? Yes, he gets oh, shot, but he yeah, actually dies. It would be like it would be like a like a conspiracy theory you'd have to dig to find, because like this document, they probably would be a documentary because he'd already come and like and like pled like what's the word I'm trying to think of? Testified. He he already came and testified, so at that point he was already out there. But um, yeah, I think it'd be kind of the same thing. It'd be more of like conspiracy theory. But George, please uh, give yeah. us your rating. 4.5 pineapples. I, I don't want to give this a five because of the sole fact that it's listen, not Borat. It will that right. I always think about Borat when Real I'm making documentary. these, when I'm making these uh, <laughs> ratings. But honestly, though, uh, just insanely informative. Please go watch it, especially, um, you know, with the climate, the certain political climate that we're in right now and the feelings that people have towards police. Go watch this. Start to like really decipher in your head what you think currently is happening now, because that'll help you get a better perspective or at least a better understanding of what you think, right? Stop reading what other people are writing, fucking develop your own opinion. You know, that's what the world's about. Nobody cares that you like Timmy's thing. I know we stroke Joe Rogan, but he's different. He's a guy, (laughs) Um, but we still have our own opinions, guys. That's the big thing in here. Um. 4.5 4.5 pineapples. Frank Serpico, one of a kind. He actually, not only is he Al Pacino in his movie, but he's shown in fucking It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia in an episode where Charlie is Frank Serpico. 
I think uh, that's what made me watch the documentary in the first place. Very grateful <laughs> for these other people highlighting this um, as a as a huge moment in in history and time. Uh, Austin, what is your rating? We're four point five across the board so far. Uh, well, I'm going to break that. Uh, I thought it was very entertaining, uh, so I'm going to give it a solid uh, four. Okay, still still it's a four. It's still really good. Yeah, it is. It ain't no Christmas with the cranks, but uh uh-uh. uh. So that's how I feel. But uh any anything else we gotta no, add? No, no, yeah. no, no, don't no, no, no. you can't just say four. You fucking explain fast. We'll yeah, go over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, give us a give we, us a we quick will go little, over. Uh, why is it why a four, four, Austin? Why is it a four? Uh it's it's just a typical like, yeah, cops are bad, corruption. Here's my story. New York. Bob? Question mark? Question mark. A lot of mob characters. You feel like you've heard this story before. Yeah, basically. I feel like I, it was, and it was entertaining. I don't know. I just feel like it has to be like it really has to either make me laugh or just keep me on the total edge of my seat the whole time for it to be like a really high rating. Like Borat, I shit myself laughing. Yes, every so, second. Every second. So that's why I would give it a a, a four. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, uh, I I have one last thing. Uh, okay. Uh, Frank Serpico puts the narc in narcotics. <laughs> I feel like we shouldn't even do the ending. That should just be it right there. Chinkui. Oh, my God. All right, everybody. You know where to find us. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Now, TikTok. Yeah. Might as well, right? Let's let's just grow this thing. Yeah. If you guys want to see us live, we're going to start live streaming. I mean, we're doing it right now for everybody watching. We're live streaming on George's account. Uh, but beca- I guess because we have a creator account on TikTok, we have to hit a certain amount of followers before we can start to live stream. Yeah, which is like, it's probably like five. <laughs> I think it's a thousand. <laughs> it's a thousand? I think so. Oh, bro. We got to come up with some content then. We got to just Yeah, like, that's why I already uploaded two videos. Bro, we got to, we'll, we'll do something. We got to collab on this oh, to yeah. get some, some. Oh, yeah. So. To a thousand? For sure. We can. Go, go find us on there. For everybody on YouTube, go find us on there. But we're also on YouTube. You can watch our entire episodes now. We're really working on our production quality yeah. we moved on from the webcam to the GoPro, GoPro and then we're going to be moving on to a 4k camera here in a few months we'll shoot multiple GoPros so Maybe. you can see fucking how sexy Christian is I just oh yeah I think it's important that we slowly ramp up the technology you know you get that like low resolution you're like who's who's this Chris character you know because if you saw the full amount of they couldn't un- handle it they unadulterated Damn the fucking mic stand was like no no that was that was a tremor from my my beauty. What are you shaggy now? (laughs) Look, the public can't perceive all my power at once. Okay, that's all. What do you have to say now? (laughs) Anyways, if you want to get in touch with us, hit us up at lukewarmcinemapodcast at gmail dot com. And uh, until next week, everybody, jinkui, jinkui, jinkui.